Welcome to Songs of Praise from 3ABN Australia Radio.
first time you came They crowned you with thorns As on an old rugged cross You were raised But the next
just the time I feel that I've been caught in the mire of self. Just the time I feel my mind's been bought by worldly wealth. That's when the breeze begins to blow. I know the Spirit's call. And all my worldly wanderings just melt into His love. soul I want to know you oh I want to know you to feel your heart and know your mind looking in your eyes stirs up within me cries that say I want to know you oh I want to know you Sensitivity to him is gone. I've run the race, but set my own pace and face a shattered soul. Now the gentle arms of Jesus warm my hunger to behold. soul I want to know you oh I want to know you to feel your heart and know your mind looking in your eyes stirs up within me cries that say I want to know you oh I want to know you and I would give my final breath to know death and resurrection Oh, I want to know you more Oh, I want to know you to know you more Oh, I want to know you more hope you're enjoying Songs of Praise. Here's some more inspirational music.
for the love lost once more to find and in your own good time I believe the rose you'll send me I believe that he will mend me with a thread of love divine love divine love divinely selected for all
song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Psalm 40 verse 3. Faith one must enter through 
is fading The day soon shall end Lord, I get homesick The farther I roam Oh, but the Father He has led me Each step of the
Songs of Praise continues with more inspirational music.
what a privilege to come into God's presence Just to linger with the one who set me free As I lift my eyes and see his awesome glory I remember who he is and bow the knee Give Him glory 
my secrets to you I tell You saw each time that I slipped and fell And all of my faults, yes, you know them well But you've never turned me away Nobody knows me like you You put your arms around me, you bring me through And there's many times I don't know what to do Though some know me well me like you Walking in your presence is where I want to be You said in your word You said that you would lead me Yes, I love you Oh, I really love you I'll go anywhere As long as I know you'll be there nights that I was afraid. I stood on the promises you had made. The way that I act, sometimes I am ashamed. But you never turned me away. No, no, no. Nobody knows me like you. You put your arms around me, you bring me through. And there's many times I don't know what to do. Some know me well Still nobody knows me like you Nobody knows me Nobody knows me like you You put your arms around me You bring me through And there's many times I don't know what to do Though some know me well Still nobody knows me like you Though some know me well Still nobody knows me like you Though some know me well Still nobody knows me like you You've been listening to Songs of Praise, a production of 3ABN Australia Radio. You are listening to 3ABN Australia Radio's book reading. Today, we are continuing with the book Deeply Esteemed, The Life and Ministry of H.C.K. Harker. The reader is Dr. Barry Harker, the author and also the grandson of Pastor Harold Harker, the subject of the book. Here is our reader. Chapter 7. Coo-ee. Laura and Winifred, it's nearly time for the paper boy, Harold reminded his daughters. Yes, Daddy, we will go out and wait now. Laura and Winifred went out and sat on the front fence waiting for the paper boy to appear. Soon they returned with a newspaper. It's not looking good for our boys at Gallipoli, Harold commented to Anne as he read the latest news from the war raging in Europe and Turkey. It is such a tragic loss of life all round. We have never seen war on this scale before, Anne responded. The Bible is surely correct when it said that nation would rise against nation in the last days. I'm sure you are right, Anne, 
and we must continue to reach the people with the message that we are living in the last period of Earth's history and that the only real hope for the world is the return of Jesus, Harold added. I feel for all the men caught up in this terrible war and their families, Harold continued. I must visit the families where they have men at war. It's the least that I can do. It is May 1915, and the family is still living in Mrs Appledorf's house in Devonport. Life continued as before. Morning and evening the family gathered for worship. The children learned songs and hymns like Jesus Loves Me, Little Feet Be Careful, There'll Be Something in Heaven for Children to Do, and many others. The younger children were taught the actions that accompanied the songs and hymns. By Friday evening the house was prepared for the Sabbath. A holy calm seemed to settle over the place and something special was cooked. Shoes were polished and baths taken before the Sabbath arrived. Harold sang in the living room to let everyone know that it was time to welcome the Sabbath. The children awoke on Sabbath morning to the sound of Harold singing. Each Saturday, Sabbath school and church were held in Mrs Appledorth's living room, which was bigger than the one occupied by Harold's family. As the family moved from town to town, there were rarely other Seventh-day Adventists to share the Sabbath with until the mission started and then Sabbath school and divine service were held in the tent or hall. Harold took the children for nature walks on Sabbath afternoons, either to the bush or to the beach, depending on where they were living. Saturday night, Harold played games with the children. Harold loved his children and often quoted Psalm 127 verses 3 and 5. Children are an heritage of the Lord. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. He played with them, sang to them, told them stories, played his pretend trumpet and corrected them when necessary. The children adored him. Late in July 1915, Harold announced to the family that Sister White had passed away on July 16 at her home Elmshaven in California. She was a great and noble woman, Harold told his children. For Harold, the sad news brought back a flood of pleasant memories. He shared these memories with the family. On Sabbath, September 4, Pastor A.H. White, the Victoria Tasmania Conference President, spent the day with Harold, visiting the believers in Devonport and nearby Latrobe. The next day, Pastor White conducted a baptism for three people in the East Devonport Baths, which were lent for the service. One of the candidates was brought up in the Roman Catholic faith and rejoiced that God's call had been extended to him. The following Tuesday, Pastor White and Harold set off for Wynyard to the west, visiting believers at Penguin and Burnie on the way. In Wynyard they met William Gillis, who with his wife had been working in the Deep Creek district, two miles or three kilometres from Wynyard. On Wednesday afternoon, a goodly company retired to a suitable part of the creek, and six people were baptised by Pastor White. Others from Devonport and Deep Creek were to be baptised at a later date. Pastor White, Harold and William took advantage of their time together to lay plans for work in the Burnie district. Harold and William were to continue their oversight at Devonport, Latrobe and Wynyard. To carry out these plans, Harold moved his family from Devonport to Cooee, to the west of Burnie. 
at the Tasmanian conference held in the Hobart Church, November 25 to 28, Harold was the only delegate from northern Tasmania. No camp meeting was held that year, but the speaking for the conference was shared between A.H. White, H.C.K. Harker and W.W. Fletcher. The Sunday evening meeting was held in the Masonic Hall in Murray Street and was well attended. The decision was taken at the camp meeting to ordain Harold to the Gospel ministry. His ordination took place on February 16, 1916. Pastors J.E. Fulton, C.H. Watson and M. Lukens officiated at the ordination. C.H. Watson later became President of the General Conference, the only Australian to fill that office. Harold had given evidence of his gift for ministry over a number of years and the ordination was an official recognition of his call to a life of evangelism and pastoral care. He was given a solemn charge during the ordination in the words of 2 Timothy 4, verses 2 and 5. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. The path to ordination was not always easy. In one place in Tasmania, Harold completed the mission and the same people were coming regularly, but he could not get any of them to make a decision to embrace the truths that he was preaching and teaching. The conference president decided to come and help out, thinking that Harold's approach might be the problem. He gave a rousing service and appeal, but no one stood. Harold often wondered what would have happened if they had all responded to the president's appeal. On another occasion in Tasmania, Harold's mission resulted in only one conversion to the Seventh-day Adventist faith, a grandmother. Yet that grandmother introduced her grandson, Rex Tyndall, to the Seventh-day Adventist message. He later became a Seventh-day Adventist and later a Seventh-day Adventist minister and missionary. Harold, assisted by William Gillis, commenced a tent mission in Burnie early in 1916, which continued for more than six months. One stormy night during the mission, Harold was concerned that William may not be able to take care of the tent alone. He rode his bicycle into Burnie to help ensure that the tent was not torn by loose stakes. At the end of the mission, Harold and William had eight candidates preparing for baptism, seven women and one man. They did not want to be baptised in the ocean, so Harold dug a large hole in his backyard in Cooey, lined it with a tarpaulin, filled it partly with water, and baptised them in this makeshift font. Dorothy Height, the little daughter of one of the lady candidates, later married a Seventh-day Adventist minister. Laura and Winifred attended school in Cooey and experienced their first school Christmas break-up party there. When they arrived home that day, Anne asked Winifred what they had to eat at the party. Winifred told Anne that she didn't know what was in her sandwiches, but it was pink. Anne wasn't sure whether it was salmon or ham. Winifred had not tasted either as the family were vegetarians and ham was considered an unclean meat. Harold left his wet umbrella open to dry one day and Stanford picked it up and started down the footpath, holding it up like his dad did. 
A strong wind was blowing and Stanford's feet barely touched the ground as he flew down the road towards a herd of cattle coming in his direction. It was market day. Laura ran after Stanford while the lady next door stood on her veranda laughing. The house at Cooe shared an entrance with the house next door. It was called a battle axe block. Often on market day, the gate was left open by the neighbours. On one of these days, Stanford was standing on Harold's black box looking out the living room window and two cattle got stuck trying to get past between the fence and the house. Stanford got such a fright he fell backwards off the box. Anne took Stanford to the store one day and bought him a mouth organ. Stanford said, "Eh, but I'm happy because I've got a blower. He walked around the house blowing when Harold was shaving. Harold leaned out the bathroom window and clapped and then ran and did the same out of the living room window. Stanford could not laugh and blow at the same time and generally he laughed. With his busy schedule, Harold cherished times like these with his children. The Tanton Hall missions conducted in Burnie by Harold and William resulted in 17 people accepting the Seventh-day Adventist faith. A block of land had been purchased in Burnie for a church building there. The time was drawing near when Harold could expect a call elsewhere. It came at the Australasian Union Conference in September 1916. Harold was recommended to the South Australian Conference for work in Adelaide. Soon Harold, Anne and the children were packing again. As things would have it, Harold was preparing to leave Tasmania as Florence, his sister, was taking up work as a coal porter there. The Hastings Five were still committed to the cause. Don't forget to tune in next time for the next chapter of Deeply Esteemed, the life and ministry of H.C.K. Harker. If you have any questions or comments in relation to today's program, you can call 3ABN Australia Radio within Australia on 02 4973 3456 or from outside of Australia on country code 61 2 4973 3456. Our email address is radio at 3ABN That is radio at the number 3ABN Australia, all one word. Our postal address is 3ABN Australia Inc. PO Box 752 Morissette, New South Wales 2264 Australia. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. tip lady and I love giving tips that help simplify life. Are you plagued with unpleasant memories that you just can't seem to forget? Then today I'm going to tell you a cure. Well I'm going to suggest it anyway. Have you ever seen grass trees? Here in Australia I always used to call them by another name but these days we're told we must not use that name we must call them grass trees. 
So that's what I do. If you want the fancy name, they're called Xantheria. I think that's how you pronounce it. They're an incredibly artistic part of our fantastic bush heritage. Their beauty is striking. A grass tree looks like it has an amazing long skirt of long leaves that drapes stylishly around the centre of the plant. Recently I sat under a grass tree, catching my breath after a stiff climb, with its skirt draped over my head while I peered out through its long leaves, and my own heritage loomed into mind. I was a little girl in New Guinea, born there. We left when I was quite small, but my memories are quite large. As I sat there, I was seeing in my mind's eye the dukduks, part of my New Guinea heritage. I remember standing in our Land Rover, yes, in those days, no seat belts to hold me in, rounding a bend in the road and Dad screeching to an abrupt halt as there, right in front of us, stood one, not one, but two dukduks. What on earth were they? They looked for all the world like these grass trees, except that in the centre was a man and not a trunk of a tree. A national man well hidden under the skirt of leaves that draped over his head. No wonder my memory is vivid as these two dukduks jumped up and down on the road, flapping their arms and making the grass skirt bounce up and down. If I hadn't been in that secure spot in our vehicle with Dad at the wheel, I'd have been terrified. They certainly gave me a lasting memory. And that's one of the things I really make an effort to create these days. Memories. Happy memories. So my first tip is, do something different every week. Something you don't normally do. You're going to create happy memories. And my second tip is, carve out time to do it. It's not going to happen unless we choose to allow it to happen. I've found in life that by reviving happy memories, they fill so much space that the other kind of memories lose their grip on me. And that's a good thing. Many, many years ago, I decided with a young friend that one day, in the what seemed to be a long distant future, when our physical strength would wane, we'd sit in rocking chairs and we'd regale each other with memories. Well, that time is coming closer, but at least we're making memories, happy ones. So that's it today from the Two Tip Lady, who loves to help make life more simple. (laughs) 